Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Angela. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening to Someone's Thunder, where a creative chat between friends can go a long way. We bring good things to the mic. And maybe a seat stealer or two. Hello, listeners, and welcome to our very special guest, Athul Prashar. Welcome, Athul. Yay, thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. Um, Atul, I, I think you kind of know this from some of our other podcasts, and we talked about this before, but we always start out with a little shout-out from the Dalai Lama. So I'm going to read a quote that was specifically chosen for you and our guest today. Okay, here we go, listeners. If you want to change the world, first try to improve and bring about change within yourself. That will help change your life. From there, it just gets bigger and bigger. Everything we do has some effect, some impact. That's amazing. We chose mm. that for you. You three are, you two are amazing. I'm seeing three. <laughs> I'm seeing double now, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. No. We can be three. We're Thank part you. of our tribe today. So. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I should have you both reflect on that first. You seem more intelligent than I about these things. So go <laughs> about that quote, what it means for you. Well, I I just was looking at your accomplishments and the many different ways that you've touched people's lives. And it seems to me that if ever there was somebody who's been um, inspired to change the world and being being impactful, it seems to be you, which is why I was so excited to meet you today. I appreciate that. I meant more for you to tell us about you, you, what you feel about that. <laughs> How, at least you, but I appreciate that. Well, it was chosen because we're reflecting on you being with us today. Mm. Um, I guess in terms of as you're turning around on me, I think that I try with my actions every day to be mindful and um, think of ways to make things better, because especially in times that have been so difficult. I love it. I love it. Angela? I'm, I'm so glad that you went first, Stephanie. So now I know the rules on this. <laughs> Thank you, Atul, for... I went right into the fire. Engaging, just, right, re-engaging our... I'm like a three-year-old. I break everything. Here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love it. You haven't broken anything. You've just made us better. Better. Um... So for me, I feel like one of the ways that I can bring about any kind of change, it has to start from within. And what I put forward in the world has to come from within. So if there's any kind of change or anything that I want to manifest, I have to start from within and go and, and then go from there. And I think that's one of the things from being an actor um, I, for the, the longest time as a young, very young actor, when I was at school, um, I felt more comfortable just putting costumes on and finding the character from the outside in. It wasn't till I got a little bit older and had a little bit more experience, older just with experience, that I realized I was putting the character so far outside of myself. And what I needed to do is to bring it to me. And because what what that meant is that I could then in turn put it inside myself and turn it into a piece of who I was as opposed to putting it on, but becoming and engaging and going forward with it. And so for me, choosing this quote that we felt was so you is that I feel like you, at least the little that I do know, but I feel like it's a big thing is that I feel like you don't ever take no for an answer. If somebody says this, this, or this, or it might be constructive criticism, or it might be a judgment, 
depending on how you may react in the privacy of your own home, I feel like you're somebody who takes that and goes, okay, all right, I may not accept that, or I may take that in and, and, and work on that in my way, but I'm going to keep going forward. And I think a little bit about some of the stories that you told me, that you told us about, you know, kind of approaching the acting business or the music business. So that's why I chose this. I appreciate that. It's a it's a beautiful quote. I've heard semblances of it. I think some other maybe riffed off of our man <laughs> at some point. You have you have wonderful answers. There's two prongs to it to me. There's a positive and maybe a little so a toxic, which I've minimized to become more positive in it. So the positive, my parents instilled in me philanthropy from an early, early setting, and they've been great with it. And I God bless them for doing that. And as of a lot of friends, my wife is very similar. So that there's especially what we saw in the last year, as you alluded to, Stephanie even, and Angela, that we, we saw a lot. There were a lot of people that had and people that were able to preserve and then some people that were depleted. And it's unfortunate. So it was kind of up to our duty. And actually, Angela, full circle, Alex uh, Sanders, sorry, he started doing some things with my wife's company, my wife's hospital. Oh, uh, wow, to I totally help. forgot that. I forgot about that too. I'm just thinking of this now because he's always been that mindset as well as let's, let's deliver he food to people in need, right? And my two initiatives that I usually celebrate are, or try to put my efforts behind are gender equity issues and and sustainability issues, because those are not even across the any ocean, it's a problem here as well, right? And I didn't come to know that until I started working with the UN Women on some things, on some smaller projects, uh, and, you know, isolated projects, sorry. But yeah, it's near and dear to my space. Um, one, I'll, I'll, one thing I'll say, on, there's, I've also minimized, I, when I hit a milestone birthday, just because this, I couldn't show up and be my whole self when I was kind of around some toxic people, because then I found myself reacting and maybe depleting who I could be and show up and be of, of, as value. So I started kind of minimizing my exposure to those types. Uh, and they're only, I'm very fortunate, only like two or three people like that in my whole life. Um, I'm very blessed to be that way. And then I found myself, I'm just opened up more and I'm able to offer more of value, positive value to people by doing so. So thank you for that quote. I appreciate it. I want to also, Athul, I want to also talk to you a little bit about, because you do sort of turn things upside down a little bit, because you're so <laughs> cool and fun, um, at least I know you to be, we thought that maybe we would start with the questions that we ask all of our listeners first, right? Would you like sure. to kind of do that? Sorry if I'm coming in and breaking things again. That's what I do. No, I know, but I love, we, we thought it was such a great suggestion. So we were like, you know what? Yes. Pick it up. We're going to do it. So, um, so we'll start with our first question, which is what scene stealing performance and or performances do you love or have impacted you or totally fine if it's something like very obscure or something that you feel like might be lesser known can you tell us a little bit about what that might be for you Atul? so i'm going to go very inside of a film and pull out certain aspects of it right so you say scene stealing and when you like anything in my life when you ask me to give you one i always give you 17 because i'm not because i'm an overachiever i just don't listen to directions well apparently so i have some there's i have a different movie and some of these are really nerdy movies bear with me one on goal setting one on power a couple on power music and just some random stuff right so goal setting was karate kid way back in oh, in the day and me growing up as a as a scrawny little brown kid was i was picked on until i got to high school and i you know things changed in my favor a little bit 
but so, you know, what I saw in him is he was picked on, moved to a new, new neighborhood. I think it was L.A. he had moved to, right? I saw that film maybe 17, 18 times because I related to him. And he used to kick some butt, um, you know, and I think it was, what was her name? Um, Allison Sweeney? Uh, no. Um, uh, I thought Elizabeth Shue Elizabeth was the Shue, original. Thank you. Yes, right? yeah, and I and, and we I all think had she's a crush also on her. in Cobra Kai, which is I've the, heard. the I've remake. Only right, I haven't shows. seen it yet. It's good so far, right? I've only seen three, four shows of it, uh, episodes. Sorry, but yeah. So that I, you know, I, I related to him because he dug down, and he, you know, found his strengths, minimized his weaknesses, and you know, worked hard and realized some triumph at the end. So I, okay, that's something that's a kind of a goal setting for me. Power. All right, you're gonna. This might be a diversion. Scarface, Ali, and Wall Street. All right. So the first. Wow, one, those you know, are those are heavy hitter films. Scarface, Wall Street, and Muhammad Ali. Yeah, so exactly. Apple, you know, well, Al Pacino, Will Smith, Michael Douglas, right? So Wall Street, because I ended up there and I loved it. Um, Ali, like he just overcame obstacles, right? And Will Smith, I was, every way. And I was just a big fan. I thought I was a big fan. I became a big fan of Will Smith then. I said, okay, this guy should get an Oscar. 20 years later, he hasn't won it yet. But, um, you know, he should, he, so hopefully he was picking weird roles. He was trying to, you know, after a while, he was trying to go for those kind of roles. And then it, it was a bit too much. <laughs> but but then Scarface, I saw that when I was really young. Probably I was too young to see it because uh, it, you know, and then the world of it's mine was that violent. one. Violent as hell. And you got Michelle Pfeiffer doing her thing. Um, she's she's <laughs> that was great. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll jump. Okay, so I'm still only halfway through because you know. Wait, I'm but why? But why Scarface? Why Al Pacino it's just about and Scarface? Him overcome. I know it's a negative at light where he overcame things and just kind of fought the system. But it was it was just power, and it was kind of you know that and like the Rocky movies. They were just made you feel like you could do something, even though I was still like you know the 20 pound little kid who was like 30 <laughs> at the end of the day. Uh, and then music and some random stuff. So music, two movies. Um, when Harry met Sally, Harry Connick Jr., I, be, I was always oh, a singer, yes. but then, and then when he came on and played music, so I had torn up my ankle playing basketball often, and then I had a reconstructive surgery at one point because I tore some ligaments, whatever. So one summer I was laid up, right? And then after, after the surgery, on crutch for six weeks, then I was laid up in a cast and all that. So it was like, like a good 12-week turnaround. I watched When Harry met Sally a lot, and I just fell in love with the piano. I said, if, to accompany voice, I need to learn piano. Right. So I learned that. And when I went away to school, then I would say, wait a minute, hold on. You just yeah. learned piano. You just picked up the piano like I'm going to learn it. Well, Who see, does that? The, you do. No, no. Well, here's the thing. So I tried when I was a kid. My parents put me in that Yamaha Suzuki type of thing. Uh -huh. But then within month two, all the boys had dropped out. And I was a seven year old, six year old knucklehead. I'm like, well, I, I need to as well. If I had stayed with then, I would have been amazing. So I picked it up. Then I had to uh, by hearing. That's how I can pick up stuff. So then I used to sneak into the music building at in college at before midnight and they would lock the doors i would stay all night and just play and oh, sing great. and play and sing and the, i made friends with all the janitors they're like cool <laughs> they come out hang out hang out with me and they could have let you out though yeah, yeah and love jones um it's a movie you may not know this so, so uh, you know i'm a, as much as one heterosexual man can be in love with another heterosexual man's music uh maxwell this guy i favored a lot of my music and a lot of stuff that i used to do over him there's groove theory lauren hill escape oh, it's basically uh, yeah. about some poets that lived in chicago lorenz tate and neil long and then the one of them moved to new york city so these are the two cities i love one i was in one i was asp aspiring to go to at the time so it just brought a lot home to me and they had this one they had a lot of cool stuff there. the music was amazing and it really inspired how i made music later on 
I'll stop now. That's probably supposed no. to be a 30 second thing. I took 50 minutes. That's, you know, that's what I do. <laughs> so those were all your scene stealers. A lot of them. They really cemented a lot of things in my life. A lot of great scene stealers. Yeah. So my question for you is, what's your favorite location in New York City or a special uh, spot you may have? And why? I have a lot. Sorry. Uh, and I would love to know yours after this, too. So New York City, for me, was always a destination. It was a prized destination. So I'm born and raised Rockford, Illinois, Chicago. Uh, it's kind of like a somewhat a suburb of Chicago. Then I was downtown Chicago. Still always wanted to get to New York City. So anywhere in New York City is great to me. I do love the Wall Street area a lot because they had the grandiose buildings, which reminded me of Chicago. And I also became, I was, I, that's when I was married. We got married in Chicago, but I lived there and we built our first kind of home together with my wife on, when we were living on Wall Street. So that area has always been near and dear to me. Um, yeah. Uh, and, the one, and our wonderful crazy kids were born at New York Presbyterian Hospital. So, you know, yes. the city's always good to have a lot lot for me uh but i love it you know um oh gosh i i um i just you keep you said wall street and i can't get this out of my head but the bull the famous statue of the bull yes <laughs> you you just said that and i just keep seeing the bull in my head i'm sorry i just i riffed off that because you can see such Michael Jordan, the jersey behind me, because he's the best player. Goat, he's the greatest of all time. But you know, and it, and, and does he kind of represent like a bull-like kind of mentality yeah. too to you? And the, and the, yeah, and the name of the team was Chica is the Chicago Bulls. And yeah, so that's everything, right. Yeah. So, so listeners, just so you know, Athul is has a, a beautiful Michael Jordan uh, jersey hanging up behind him from the Chicago Bulls. So well, we go from Wall Street Bull to Sh Jordan Bull <laughs> yeah. to, and then what's on your cuff, Athul? Oh, Chicago Bears. So I'm, I'm a pretty. Chicago Bears. I cry so a lot. I'm a. I am a Chicago fan through and through. I cry a lot these days. <laughs> Our teams don't don't support <laughs> us that well. We support them. They just don't deliver. <laughs> so, given all of the places that you've spent time or lived, what might be the scene stealer of them all? Because you named just even like in the last thing, you named like a couple of different places, but maybe there's a couple more. So this is going to be kind of corny uh, a little bit. So, okay, I will still say I'm going to give some international cities in a moment. Uh, New York City is always going to be amazing to me. It's gritty, chaotic, high energy, uh, grimy and beautiful all at once, right? And I need that. I've, I've traveled to other parts. When I go back home even, it just seems too quiet, even though yeah. it's, you know, it, it, so. Uh, and then you move away, even, a, you know, a town over, and it's quieter, right? It's, it's, it's changed. And the New York City energy is is incomparable you right in europe italy spoke to me uh, rome was a big deal for me but i have to say the last international trip we took was before we uh, the whole shutdown um uh, and this was so it was 2019 it's the first time we had taken our two little monkeys my wife and i have traveled all, all over europe you know we've been fortunate to be able to do that but we took the monkeys for the first time in 2019 and we went to the uk uh, by the way, listeners, um, the monkeys that he's referring to is his two beautiful children. <laughs> no, they're actually monkeys. That you, you've seen Friends that episode. <laughs> well, Mary Giuliani, we had on um, just before, and her favorite band was the Monkeys. So uh, yeah. there's a little monkey theme, a theme going on. It's a theme. That's a cool story. You shouldn't put me after her story. <laughs> That's a cool story. Um, but yeah, so we took them and they were just so enamored with everything. Their eyes were just brighter than everything. Seeing castles, knights, things that they had seen in a movie. We, we rushed, you know, went up to Scotland. So we flushed Harry Potter down their souls right before oh, we left for the nice. trip saying, you're going to see this in, live in person. And it was just beautiful to share that moment with them. 
and it was just it, it was kind of nice to see them. So the UK I thought would be maybe less stimulating than let's say Spain, Greece, Italy, or whatever. These I haven't been to Spain or Greece yet. That's next at our dinner, hopefully. Um, but we thought there'd be but the the fusion of foods in the UK because everyone's there throwing everything at the wall and let's make something work. And I loved it. I love it. Did you go, um, just speaking to that, did you, you said that you did travel around and then you went to Scotland. Did you guys visit Shakespeare's beloved Stratford-upon-Avon? No. Cause you were like, was, no, thank no, you. We we're not going to that a, tiny little town. But it was a hike away, right? It was uh, it, 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 several Stratford's hours away. a few hours away, yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah, uh, with the monkeys. Stonehenge. You would find Stonehenge along the way. So that's that we saw the whole trip. We had planned that, and then my cousin, who was living there at the time, he said that's a day's trip because there's also a little Italian spot, like a village thing that's in the UK somewhere, yeah. some baths or something. He said you can make that a day trip, but he goes, I'd advise you only have like a week or ten days, maybe do stick here local and then Scotland and do all that stuff. So that, that's what we ended up doing. And I, I went to the I went to the whiskey experience in Scotland, which is not the same. Well, that's important. <laughs> it was for me, <laughs> the largest whiskey collection in the world. <laughs> it was research, wasn't it? Say again? It was research for you, yes? Yeah, yeah exactly. Homework, yep. <laughs> for your podcast, Whiskey Hue, which we'll tell the listeners about a little bit later on. Speaking of questions and speaking of things later on, do you want to talk about any of the new projects that you've been working on? Because you have a mess of them going on. Sure, we'll, we'll get in now quickly. So the second fund we set up in, to address a lot of things that we wanted to see in the market, right? So we are going to be doing from low hanging fruit, I mean, low hanging fruit cost intensively, meaning let's do some media blogs and some podcasts, right? Because they don't require a lot of capital up front, up to a few shows that we want to see streaming on the streaming services. So we have two celebrities we're working with. The, okay, I can't say that we are done deal on that one because they've been pushed because of the pandemic, everything was pushed. I, I shared this with Angela, how it was pushed because of all the scheduling and now we're trying to revisit it and see if we'll do it. If not- And you're not are... alone. Every, yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like they, I've, we've heard so many different things of like, well, we had to put that on hold for a little while and you know, several people did. But just so just to clarify, when you say fund- I'm sorry, an investment fund to get, uh, back a lot of projects that we wanted to kind of be a part of. And then- as things quieted down last year, a lot of people were still pitching to us, right? Hey, this is an idea I have. I heard you're going to be getting involved with this, with you know certain projects, and some phenomenal projects came to play. So let's see where a lot of these take off. So they're all like early stage right now, literally in the last year, and in, in the last six months even, we started putting a lot of these together. But I want to do a lot. So, and Angela, like I remember when I was speaking with Alex about this, Sander, the other day, two weeks ago now. He was speaking about some of the challenges you're seeing. So I would love to clear, you know, jump down that rabbit hole because another vantage point is I remember so in media, we saw like the dudes that look like me usually played two roles, right? Um, you're a cab driver or you're a doctor, right? <laughs> or now our, as athletes, we're spelling bee championships in the re <laughs> I'm kidding. But yeah, so that's a, th <laughs> so that's a thing. That's the thing we're doing. So then we wanted to kind of broaden that. And, you know, and then and so there are things like Mindy Kaling and uh, Hassan Minaj. They're doing some funny things, cool things in that space. Anupam Care is doing some cool things. There's so much content that's needed, right? So there, I see both Vantage is here. So we should let's just push. There should be no room. There should be no reason why you can't increase roles for uh, what what has been getting a lot. You know diversity and have everything else that's been working for so long there's because there's so many avenues for content right and 
I could jump into my little story as to why it means so much to me. Because um, I was crushed early on in my career by something that I had heard about, hey, you, you, you know, I, I can share, share that story. That. Please point. share that story. I wish you would. It's let me, really let me share this then. Okay, this might drive it home uh, for what I'm trying to say. Angela and Stephanie, I apologize. So when I was trying to do this whole thing, so my whole life I was building up to, hey, I want to sing. I, want, I, want, I came here to be the South Asian usher meets Maxwell meets George Michael. That's where my voice kind of sits, right? And, and so then I was doing it, and things had gone very well for the most part. And I sat in a meeting then. It was a three-, four-hour meeting with some executives at a record label here. And they liked me. So they liked me. So then I was doing this whole song and pony dance for them. And I was singing whatever they wanted me to sing, different riffs, different things, doing a little weird dancing. It was kind of awkward if you look back at it now. At the end of it, this is their exact, and I'll clean it up for because we don't say, say sort, certain words on this pod. We shouldn't. Uh, this is exactly their exact words, verbatim for the most part. Um, you, Athul, you sound blackish. You look Latinish. We don't know what the bleep Indian is. And that's okay. I get it, right? So I, and I get it because guess what? Was it I really okay at the time? I mean, did it, did, when it landed, were you like, I was crushed. Oh, that's okay with me. No, I was yeah. crushed. For the two, three days, I was crushed. And I went home, I crushed. Like, cr- yeah, like this I don't, what I was I building don't, my. It wouldn't land well for me if I heard that. If you're I were building you. up to that moment. But then that was common, right? So there was no other narrative around that. But then you can try to create other avenues. I was fortunate because some people in the room really endorsed me and supported me and then opened my world up to. I, I, as I mentioned, I, st- I started writing music because I, I learned piano, and then I started arranging music because that was just a nice complimentary piece to everything, the singing I wanted to do. So she opened me up to licensing to music, to TV and film and all that. So then all I want to do, from just to put a loophole on everything, just close that loop. The reason I want this fund, hey, we're going to work with every color. I don't want any, I don't want to exclude any colors because that's not diversity. You can't, you can't have brown and black without white. You, you, that's not diversity. That's BS to me. So I want to have everyone in this. And you both should be involved. If I'm worthy enough to be working with someone of your caliber, I would love to. So we'll figure that out project-wise if there's make something. I'm so jazzy about all the, this um, is so much about what I've been doing and such a passion. So you're, I'm loving you're far more experienced than I am, both of you. So we'll see. We're, <laughs> we're on board 1 million percent. And I just don't want anyone that has that dream to ever hear that no if they're not talented, hear that no and go home and get into some other industry, right? But if they're, you know, but if if, they, if it's not the right space for them, it ended up being beautiful for me because I've seen friends who tried to stick it through and then, you know, where they are now. And then some people have been uber successful in the space. Some people have not. So it is, what it is. I just don't, I want people to have options. So here, that's what I'm hoping to do. But you also, sorry, Stephanie, um, but you, I just wanted to address, but you also continued to still make music. So in a way, that's why I feel like going back to the Dalai Lama quote, you still didn't necessarily take no for an answer. You took whatever that was in. You mm-hmm. felt you said you felt bad about it. And then you're like, I'm not, I'm not going to take this in and make it personal about myself. I'm going to move it through and go forward and go out and create anyway. Yeah. And, and that fell into my lap. I was very fortunate that someone she saw the work I had been putting Angie Stone. She's just, she was a big artist that worked for a lot of people and her camp. Her camp, really. So they saw in me, hey, this guy has the hustle. He can do it. He's got – we put him in places. He can get it done. Uh, And they didn't label you, did they? No, no. Which they is did. They, they yeah, did say, "Hey, you are the Indian kid that kind of sounds blackish." They did keep saying that, which I was okay with it because that's you know I, I I studied those kind of artists, so that's I was okay with that label, and I understood the label from the record label. I understood. I'm sorry. I understood the. I get it. 
uh, it was a marketing tool, right? And the first big South Asian star didn't break in the U.S. until three, four years after, two, three years there after that, 2009-ish, 10-ish, which, and he ended up being my neighbor. Uh. And, and it's so funny. And he was cool. It was cool because he was a big star, Jay Sean. And I remember thinking, hey, uh, 10 years from now at that time, who's going to have more money? Me, the guy who jumped into finance or the, this guy who stayed in music? Who knows? Probably him. <laughs> Probably him. But you know what? Hey, I celebrate it. Uh, you know, I, and it, I love it. And now that's why I want to bring all of my skill sets back into the space. Where was I going with that before I st- jumped, jumped ship? Like I usually do. We're talking about getting into um, with Angie Stone and getting into music producing because you've gone on to write music for Gossip Girl, for um, uh, Girlfriends, for oh my gosh, the list. You, you gotta stop me. Desperate Housewives. I mean, yeah. can you talk a little bit on that? Because I feel so, like doesn't that parlay that in? Because we Stephanie actually has another question for you, but let's talk about that right I'll now. Just do, I'll just do very quickly, Stephanie. Uh, so basically. In, Angie and her camp and a bunch of others opened up my world to that. Hey, you've made music. It's sitting there on the shelf, per se. Let's license it out. And and as Angela alluded to, I'm not anywhere on IMDb because you ju- you get checks. You just don't get the credits, I guess. <laughs> you get the credit if you're the lead composer on a show. I and think. by the way, IMDb is not very accurate on information as well. So is that true? just okay. so you know, yes, it's true. Okay. They they're not. I mean, you, they've listed people that are have died that are not dead it's just ridiculous oh, no okay and this it opened up beautiful partners partnerships like i actually ended up writing music for so csi new york was a big one because that's a new york based show my buddy was then working with the lead composer i actually ashish a good friend of mine i thought he stole some of my music one time i played some music for him oh, no. and then my music made it into a bedroom scene on the show and i said and i called him i said that's my music what are you doing and he's like no nah, man i'll find out where it came from and it was licensed through my agent who it basically you give agents say we want r&b-esque music we want female pop star music and you send it to and then you send us 10 songs like that and then we'll place it and that's how it works so they said this is what's hot right now i've actually done tried to do this with sander a couple times like he's because he writes phenomenal he's one of the best lyricists i know and i want to talk about you and alex later on in this in the show but um it ended up being great i got you know it's it's awesome you get royalties every three months right and once they put this whole thing on the blockchain which is coming you're going to get paid within two days and that's coming it's going to be a couple of years but it'll be it'll be there but the so that's something book. that so you're saying that you you have an idea about restructuring residuals, correct? No, I'm not that smart. Um, other people have the idea. I might invest in the idea. Uh-huh. <laughs> but so some people are figuring that out. Let's get this whole thing because it's all about rights. If I have a, and you if you star in a show, you're in a show. You see the you and I chatted about this. The residuals come six, nine, twelve months later, right? In mm-hmm. music, I have stuff that plays in India. I'll never see the dime on, but it plays CSI plays in. Um, I think New Zealand, and I get a check nine, 10 months, nine, 12 months later, every every quarter. So they basically take it, they work with the local tax laws, current, you know, domestic tax law, and they figure out how to do it all, and they send you a check. That's nine, 12 months lag time. Or imagine as an artist getting paid tomorrow for what you did today. And that's where they're going with a blockchain ledger because they can immediately stamp it. Oh, this transaction took place. Let's pay this person. And that's, that's what there's some very smart people working on this space. That's great. That's amazing. So let me ask you another question. Yeah. What's the best advice you've gotten about being an artist, an artistic person, and not being creative? I'll give you one that has resonated with me. Someone gave this to me early. I read it somewhere. And then three really po- very powerful people, two women and one male, have said this to me in my life. And it actually applies not just to being an artist, but into everything, right? So build your dream 
or someone else will hire you to build theirs. And I'm sure that's a very common quote, but it resonates and it makes sense to me. So that's why I always kind of wanted to feel like I went down this entrepreneurial space often. Uh, you know, I was in corporate and then I've jumped into this space and this has worked. And I said, I can go somewhere. If someone's paying you, let's say $10 <laughs> for the year, they're making a lot more than $10, right? And I amplify that by, you know, obviously if they could afford to pay you and several others $10, Amplify that by what the real, you know, 100,000, whatever it is, 50,000 a year, uh, th that means they're making a lot more. So if you can be that person and, prov and then you can also be providing opportunities and then you can dictate, okay, hey, a certain portion of this can go towards philanthropy or something like that. So try to build something of your own and you can enjoy the fruits of it. Thank you. That's, that's really Appreciate it. beautiful. I have a question. How did you get from being this person who wanted to perform and sing and write music to these many different areas? You talked about Wall Street and your entrepreneurial spirit, and and you do so many different things. How did this all happen? I can tell you this. So the, I remember I mentioned Wall Street as being a favorite area of mine in the city because it's a Chicago play and the beautifulness. It was cleaner at the time, uh, a clean port of New York City at the time. Now, another reason is I was working in music at the time when I was living down there for the most part. And I would walk out of my front door. I was working nonstop. And, and then I would walk out into the chaos that is Wall Street, literally on Wall Street. I lived on 63 and 65 Wall Street, right, for a short period of time, a couple, of, actually four or five years. So I would just, I would see, I'm working my tail off. So are these uh, these ladies and gentlemen in finance, but I think they're making more money than I am. So what's what gives, right? So, right, because I want to see some of those bonuses. So I thought, okay, let me learn some of this. And I wanted to go back to school to get marketing under my belt because uh, of what hap what I heard earlier in my career about, hey, you don't look this, you look that. Look that. I said, oh, marketing plays a part. And I don't understand it enough, so let me figure it out. I actually started falling in love with finance at the time. I really delved deep, and now I'm, I can say I'm pretty deep in it now. So... Wall Street did that to me. I, I should have mentioned that as well because I saw that, and now I'm trying to bring all of it together, tech, finance, and entertainment as, as what we're doing in this fund. So I, that, that's why it's resonated to me so much. And then the philanthropy, I just that's as you gain more traction and kind of a bit more success, you can then help others more. And, and you're not just saying it. You're doing it. You are truly proactive. You can do more. You know, my wife and I were just talking about that. We can do more. Is that something that you feel like was instilled from your very small childness? I mean, what, what did it, in other words, did it come from your parents? Did your parents have that kind of initiative instilled in you? Parents, my parents and her from her parents, literally. Cause they, you know, they came here, like these folks came here with literally a hundred bucks in their pocket in a suitcase. And that hundred bucks wasn't from their parents cause they didn't have the money to give them a hundred bucks. It was literally from, 10, 15 families who gave like two to three, the equivalent of two to three oh bucks each, goodness. right? So they come here with a hundred bucks and then they see when the communities, they would try to get bank loans and they couldn't. So they would then build like investment banks in the community saying, okay, we're going to give okay. you a loan because you can't get it because you don't, for whatever reason, right? You couldn't get it. And, and then they build their own thing. So then giving back has always been, my dad is, there's this club called Kiwanis Club. I don't know if you're familiar uh -huh. with it. He's, He's deeply deeply involved with that group and uh, several members of my family have become i helped out i i was the, in the high school chapter of it but then that was what do they do extent. what does the kiwanis club do because i've i've seen signs but I, what do they do is it so like they, a 
Yeah, they put on like, like so they have brat days, pancake days, and they'll raise all the money they raise from that they give to charity, uh, select oh, charities, wow. and and they help quite a bit. They millions and millions, tens of millions they donate. So there's the Rotary clubs, Lions Club, and, and so Nexus is it is about one. is is it a club that you can join because of your area? Your like, how can you become a member of the Kiwanis Club? I think they're national. They are national. I know several people in different pockets of the U.S. who have become members. Um, I. I saw Nexus as a better opportunity for me as far as me being able to help more on scale at scale versus kind of, you know, like, but I think there's some beautiful things happening locally, but that's, that's how it was instilled. And my parents would every now and then remind us, we didn't grow up rich or anything, but we grew up saying, Hey, you have things and some people don't. And some people may have a lot more. That's fine. Uh, always give if you can. And I just saw them doing it, and they put us out there. We were volunteering on a lot on the weekends, doing things for the community. And, you know, this, um, that's the American dream. You, you, it embraced us, so we were embracing America back. That's beautiful. Hmm. Do you want to talk more about Nexus Global? We can say, yeah, so I fell into this by accident. Uh, just met some dear friends who said, in Nexus Global, you can, I'm just going to say it, and they're going to laugh because I have friends. And they, okay, there's two, there's a couple names. I'll give you Rockefeller, Kennedy, and Prashar. You could tell which name does not belong in that mix. Um, <laughs> a couple of them founded America. <laughs> One of them, parents moved here in the 60s and 70s, right? So, but the great thing is it's a philanthropy group where they get kind of high-profile, influential members of society, and they just try to fix the world's problems. And by with their resources, meaning that's relationships, and you, they can bypass governments to get things done quicker without the red tape. Let's do that. So there are so many arms. I initially joined the Nexus India group because there are things we were working on water and getting basically, uh, just lack of better words, the billionaires of India to get on board and let's put efforts and money towards let's fix irrig irrigation and some other issues and all of that stuff. And then in America, they have wonderful arms. Israel, they have Middle East, Africa, they have arms everywhere, you know, so, uh, of chapters, sorry. So it's phenomenal, the work that they're doing there. And it ebbs and flows for me right now. Last year, I got a bit quiet with everything, as did the, actually the organization, some of us. We just, because we were all taxed with different uh, things that we had to take care of last year, kids and all whatnot, more so than Because usual. it's a volunteer initiative? That field? is volunteer, yeah. And then you all meet volunteer. brilliant people that you work with. So then from that stemmed a group that made the, 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 not this last Super Bowl well, that Tom Brady won in, but the, the one before it that Tom Brady won in. I'm uh, kidding. It was Kansas City Chiefs last, the year, last year. In Miami, I believe that Super Bowl was. That was the first Super Bowl in 2000, that would have been 2020, uh, that had no plastic in the stadium. Wow. That was because of an initiative that was spearheaded by someone, a Nexus member. And I joined the team later. That wasn't my initiative. And I am not even anywhere as, as active as some of these folks. And why? Because a lot of the Nexus members own teams or own stadiums and all that. So they can just kind of, hey, let's, let's push this. This is a beautiful in initiative. Let's push it. Wow. Um, you've rendered me speechless. <laughs> it's, um, you know, what's so funny is that, uh, not funny, um, because of all the different initiatives that you have, and we talked about, um, we talked about Sava 360, your portfolio company. Um, can you talk about what NAMIC stands for, as far as <laughs> Sava 360? And I, please forgive me and my ignorance, but I, I'm not real. Um, I'm not on the uh, economic side of things. I feel like you're somewhat of a, a Gemini 
spirit or you can do left right brain capability so you're artistic and you got the head for numbers that's how i feel you are are you a i Gemini? am a numbers geek i'm a numbers geek hardcore i oh, okay. become increasingly so and i'm putting that into my kids to the point where i probably will drive them nuts but yeah let's 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 start there um so name okay so i'll give you how namek and all this ties in so kmh is our umbrella group that's our company Sava 360 ventures is one of i think 14 15 portfolio companies Sava 360 it was more of our forward-facing company are basically a lot of people know because we had a newsletter that went out and we would talk about exciting things happening in the invent investing entrepreneurial space that got us a lot of notoriety we built up a pretty you big found it now that you yeah found that it. was yeah yeah that was part of our and then i kind of spearheaded that effort from that developed a relationship with namic so namic is stands for national association of multi-ethnicity and communications they have national chapters phenomenal organization i have a deep partnership with them i was initially just on the new york board uh, you know, just the local chapter. Let's let's help, you know, put on pretty cool events in media and entertainment and sports, get some cool speakers to come out, raise money and provide opportunities for everyone in the room. Okay, meet so and so from ESPN, meet so and so from Disney or Comcast or whatever. Let's let's see if you can get a job there. And that's exactly the mission of it and promote diversity in these organizations. So they saw so then I, I felt like, okay, I can do more than just doing this local stuff. So I just approached Namek National. Uh, which is the head parent organization, I said, look, we're putting on events locally and in every market, they're asking us for what are some other cool events we could be doing? They wanted entrepreneurial driven events. Shark Tank, Shark Tank became a hot commodity for a while. I said, look, I host startup showcases all the time. Let's do this. And we've done it. And it's it's one of their high, most highly rated kind of at their national conference every year. It's one of the most highly rated sessions every year. And in Comcast Ventures backs us now, they, they sponsor it. So it's been beautiful. I love it. So that's the Great. mission of it. Wow. And then you had talked about Netflix a little in our sort of pre-conversation. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Netflix and what's going on right now. And you guide me on this one too. So like, so I'm on a huge thing of financial literacy. I want to just push that into the world and get people to aggregate wealth for themselves, their families, and for the next generation, right? Now in that comes, okay, how can I do that with what I'm working with now? Netflix, if I'm trying to invest in the media industry, I'm trying to learn how these business models are shape-shifting everything, there's paradigm shifts that are happening. I don't think you'll ever see more like the Seinfelds, the Friends, the Big Bang theories where they make a money, a ton of money on the show. Then they go into syndication and they make gazillions of dollars of stars for decades to come because Netflix has now come in and said, OK, Shonda Rhimes, you've done you've killed it with Grey's Anatomy, Scandal. We're just going to give you a hundred million dollar check up front and then we own the rights to everything moving forward. Netflix owns the rights. Now, the power has come back into the same thing with Bridgerton that she just that's a Shondaland production too yep yep so so but she's not going to own the rights to it and that pretty guy from there just left to be like in a James Bond type of I thing know, that's going to kill that show oh I think, my god right? he's so and he's so yes he's gorgeous <laughs> and he's so good on the show and I feel like he's like a big glue for that show so when they announce that he's not coming back oh my god I don't know how what? they survive but this that's what Netflix has done and Netflix if you look at their if you watch their shows of course it's streaming only no commercials but there's a an opportunity for them five six years down the road let's take these shows and license them back to the Comcast of the world and you could put their places spots for commercials naturally in there so they've changed the model so I don't think you'll ever get one of these kind of Seinfelds again where it comes from the legacy distribution worlds and then get you get syndication like I think Seinfeld was an NBC play initially, right? And then Fox now has bought the rights to air it twice a day, I think. Uh, and that's what they're doing. And he's making, you know, 
power to him. Beautiful, awesome show. And every, I used to have hair like Kramer. And it's just crazy. It's crazy. It's just crazy numbers. So Netflix is sh shifting the bismol now. If if they're doing that, we pay up front all this capital. You don't think Comcast and all the other Disney and all these other folks are going to start doing something similar? And we're looking at those models too, because okay, that's what's going to be our end game. So for someone, so it's that's what's going to be happening. So you you should. And oh, one last thing. Can I may I say another thing? Yeah. Oh, you, so what don't, I'm hearing don't about stop. Netflix is the first three seasons, the actors, producers, everyone, they don't make as much. It's once no, they get to they the don't. fourth season and fifth season, that's when they make a lot of money. So what Netflix does, they kill the season usually after season three, and they take the stars from those shows and they put them in other shows. And then they just relaunch and they keep doing the repeat, rinse and repeat. So we're seeing how these models are. I'm not knocking Netflix. I'm just saying, hey, look, they're shifting, they're changing the model, and everyone is going to have to catch up. We it's had a. Like no, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Stephanie. I was just going to say, it's almost like they're taking the power and the performer is really getting screwed. But why are the agents letting that happen? So it's interesting how the packaging may or may not be happening to see who benefits it. Benefits from it. I was just, just to capitalize on that, is that um, we had um, we had a guest on our show who worked on a Netflix show, and she basically was like, I had to get my own hotel, I had to get myself there, and we were shocked. I mean, it, it was a, it, and they had a huge cast, like an amazing, amazing, you know, heavy hitter cast in the top, and she was a recurring guest star that came in, but to hear that wow. she had to like get herself there and, and put herself up was like, really? And, and that's the other thing too, is that um, because of the pandemic and because now we've, you know, we've gone through another SAG award now, it's, it's like the second SAG award that has come through the pandemic. It's the second Oscar, Grammys, all of these um, entertainment award shows. I think the Grammys actually, um, they did have a presence, but some people stayed back. But the SAG Awards were all virtual, I believe, except for maybe two or three people that they did some telecasting from. So it's, it, it, it's those kinds of changes in the dynamic about how performers are represented. And not that I'm a big fan of award shows except for if i'm getting one i absolutely will be there and i would love to accept one and can't wait to get dressed for one but it's how how much is the actor becoming a back seat like how many back seats do you get and i think with the discussion about netflix and you get paid up front and that's what it is and then i guess it's maybe actors are just so happy to work i i don't know it just it's it's a whole nother because i know i think with hbo also i think the the money on hbo is still a negotiated rate from several years ago that actors oh, are wow. paid and that's they have beautiful amazing like long-running deadwood i mean amazing shows mm. but doesn't reflect it necessarily in the paychecks all around I feel like it's so much control is out of our hands. It, it seems pretty lousy. I almost seem as like a, like, so you're asking the question and I'm just thinking out loud here for the agent. If they, if someone says, okay, Hey star are my client, you could make 20 million, 30 million. Let's hope in the next few films, if someone comes and gives you a hundred million dollar check up front, the opportunity cost. Okay. Of me foregoing that, let me take that up front right now. And then I sign away the rights. I got a hundred million that I would have gotten over three projects. I'm getting it up front. 
and it's a guarantee. That would change a lot of people's mindsets. It, it certainly would change mine, and I get it. But that's how you do You throw a buku of amount of money at someone as a creative who is a phenomenal creative, as Shonda, Shonda Rhimes is, and others who are coming on that platform. I think there's a peak in Valley, though, because I think the new stars, like let's say the next Gossip Girl, they're not going to be able to command that $100 million. They might just get a 10 or $15 million check, and, they, and then they sign away their rights to everything. It's kind of like the old style of record industry repeating itself. Uh, unfortunately right um so what do you think do you do you think it's a good idea it feels like vegas to me (laughs) i get it i get it why someone would want to come in and disrupt it hey let's think of a new way of doing this so there are more people different people who are winning but now you're taking it out of a lot of the creatives you know they they win up front and then they don't win again for a long time that's a different conversation it's right. it's it, it does feel like the uh, um, the intellectual property portion of this feels really taken advantage of. I mean, right? Mm. Stephanie, you probably have more answering on that. I, I'm just pondering the whole thing because I think the landscape is so treacherous these days. It's I. It's it's I can't even answer it. It's yeah, too many different scenarios. One of the things that I do want to just kind of rewind and go back to is you said something that really struck me um, just psychologically and in my heart and soul is just the fact that you really feel very strongly about people being able to um, create a security in their wealth and. Mm that to me really resonated because I feel like, especially um, during this time that we kind of all are hopefully coming out of the pandemic-ish and Mm. that our livelihoods were compromised. And so we start to think about like, what does savings accounts mean? What does saving in general mean? What does it mean to be um, financially, eligible to be able to have comfort what what does that mean and then how to get somebody to think about that um, wealth is not just for the wealthy because your parents came with how much money that the whole you know section of their community got together and gave them so that they could go forward right can you speak to that a little so financial literacy i don't think is done well in this country i don't think it's done well in too many places in the world i don't know i'm just only speaking to what i i didn't really get into stock trading until even like late 20s right so i'm now i'm well versed in a huge i know one tenth of the pie after being in it for now you know 15 years now right so let's say I, I would love for, so I was on a mission last year. So I had all these, remember we were talking about, I had a bunch of events lined up and we were going to do it. So a lot of those, I, all of them converted to digital. I'm sorry, through Zoom, Google Virtual, Meets, whatever yeah. it was, virtues, virtue, thank you. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. I ended up doing 60 to 70 of these because they just kept steamrolling. And I was able to just impart financial investing advice, A, in public and private markets, meaning startups to stock market. And it's a passion of mine. I love investing at the core of my bit of who I am. I just like to invest in things and people and, and things. And let's let's put A amount in and let's get three A, you know, put X amount in and get three X hopefully a year or two down the road. So I would love to get people to save a little bit more. So don't spend all the way to your max and then take that extra 10, 15, 20% if you can save it. It's not easy for everyone. And just invest. Find other ways to invest. If Start in little things. If it's real estate, CDs, then get into stock market once you're comfortable with it. And then once you're really comfortable, not savvy, but comfortable, maybe look into private things like 
startups or other opportunities, right? Because money became a lot of people were suffering last year, but the people who had their jobs were fine and they were spending less, so they saved a ton. America's not a we're a consumption economy, but our savings rate went up exponentially last year because people couldn't spend it anywhere as much as they typically would have, right? So the Uber, Uber, Uber wealthy became Uber, Uber, Uberer wealthy, right? And and just and then unfortunately a lot of people that were in the service-based positions lost out. But what if they had a nest egg that they had been building to building to ride out these rainy days? That's where I want to be. And so I, my audience, I would love to be for this conversation is people in that the service-based and and people in hey, you're already wealthy. Let's let's make you wealthier, and then you can maybe give back more, right? I, I'm I'm putting on a ton of seminars love in the space about yeah. hey, let this like where, where can where can our listeners. Um, find you if that is something that you're um, able to uh, share with us just to so they know where to find you and maybe know where to find your company and also where can we find whiskey hue podcast yeah it's so also all, really fun all the above will answer this stuff so then um so Athul Prasha, my name a-t-u-l-p-r-a-s-h-a-r that's going to have a lot of my finance content i'm going to be really pushing a lot on there can you say that I, one more time real slow sorry yeah I, I can't promise slow. <laughs> I'm hyper. I'm hyper. A T U L P R A S S S A M H A R. And that I, I post a lot of myself. There's a blog section uh, and I will be doing a lot more. There's a newsletter you can sign up for. I push out weekly and there's a lot of financial advice in there. I post a lot on LinkedIn as well. And then I do a lot of th these kind of things. So anywhere from 10 to 500 people, I've done 60 to 70 of these last year. 2020, I did so many, and I plan on doing more of those. And I want to do those live once we can get out uh, in a non-Bill Cosby kind of way, touch and feel people. Um, <laughs> I want to just get out there and see people again. You know what I mean? Because you get the vibe and energy from people, yeah. right? Uh, and I can't wait till we can do that. That that's meaningful to me. But this way, I've been able to touch people. I spoke to some an audience in Dubai and Qatar wow. two weeks ago. I never would have done that, right? So it was kind of cool. Uh, but, you know, on blockchain and cryptocurrency and NFT. So that's another space, right? Uh, volatile. I just want people to learn to, because I didn't have it. So I want to make sure other people have it earlier. So I'm teaching my kids are pretty young, um, baby steps, but all my younger cousins and friends and whoever I can get out to. And the Whiskey Hue, that's our podcast as well. We'll have you on. We got to figure that out. Yeah. And we cover a lot of this. We cover business, tech, and culture on the show. So we cover business, tech, and culture, and we try to just instill how we go about valuing companies and, and public and private companies and how the stock market works and how you can make money in it and all that. But we don't give advice uh, because that's you, there's legal issues around that. But I, we, I, I'll tell you what I'm doing, and then you're, feel free to mimic. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I plan to be an avid listener. Yeah, and we, we get pretty crass on there, as you can tell. I think Stephanie and Angela, you said you've heard a couple, so you yeah, we get we go pretty. They're great. There's, there's some there's some lowbrow content in there, but it's fun. We have a lot of fun I in there. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> well, I hate to say it, but it's that time. Oh no, it really for so much more. We have so many more stories to share, so we're just gonna have to have you back, please. Yeah. Uh, may, I, may I share one about Angela, though? May I share oh, one oh, about oh, Angela? Oh, 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 we still have one, one, one last fun story, but you have just been such a joy, such a dream. Go ahead. What's this What's this story? I'm a little there's, nervous now. There's two. There's two. So one, the <laughs> oh. second one involves you. Okay, I know. I, okay. I, I told you. So first one, Alex, right? How, how did I meet Sanders? So I moved here, and he is a dear friend of mine. He's like a brother, and I trust him. He's transparent, honest, 
I just love the guy, right? And and I've met him. I met you through him. So yeah. how did I meet him? What you do? What any kind of creepy guy does? You go onto Craigslist and said, "I'll meet some random man uh, in in a in a restaurant in Times Square." I was looking at that time. You would look on Craigslist for music gigs, and see who else is out there doing That's things. And right. I, someone put out said, "Hey, I worked for Celine Dion." And did all these other things. I'm looking for some music people to come onto my music production team. Alex and I showed up to meet his buddy Terrence. Terrence had worked with Celine Dion and all these other people and like big, big mega stars. So we literally met that, and that's in it. And he's just been a dear brother of mine. And we then did a music video, the Terrence's music video. We got blitzed. It was Easter, the Saturday before Easter, 2003 or four. We got blitzed. You get home. He calls me at 10 the next morning and says, hey, can you come over for Easter brunch? I'm like, dude, I'm not getting out of bed till Monday. So yeah, <laughs> but he's such a rock star. He was ready to rock and roll. Now, you. So I came to one of your, co you had a, a Toshi's, right? You had that uh, yeah, show. Sandra, Sandra was uh, doing a show um, and the proceeds uh, uh, went to one of his friends who works uh, down in D.C. for helping vets get back up on their feet, um, Melissa Fitzgerald. And it was a music show that he was performing all of his live music at Toshi's. And it was amazing. And that's the first time I met you. So wonderful voices, wonderful music. Just then Yah was there. And so I sat right in front, my wife, uh, some like four or five friends. And there are only two places I could look. First day I'm meeting you, I could look straight at you, who's this, you know, my buddy's girlfriend, which then I'd be like the creepiest dude ever. He's like, dude, stop staring at my girlfriend, right? But I had no choice, either you or him. So then what I do, so I wouldn't think he, he wouldn't think I was creepy. I just looked at him all night. <laughs> and he probably thought I was creepy as hell. But I was just trying, because I literally had the angle I was at. I could only look up at you two, but it was just awesome to see you all performing. And he kept asking me to perform. I know that was April too, because... I have severe allergies in April, like just for like two, three weeks, and I could never make it to his rehearsals, so I didn't really <laughs> perform with you guys. But you have to, you have to, you have to get back together and start make, making music again. And I'm sorry that you were sitting in front because I was playing tambourine, and <laughs> I really like to wham my tambourine when I'm getting into it. So I hope I didn't blow your ears and you your wife's ears amazing. out. You all sounded amazing. So it was great. It was so much fun. But thank you. Thank you for including me today. I really appreciate you both. Oh, you're incredible. Thank you. Thank you. We love you, Athul. Thank you so much for coming on and for giving all of this amazing entertainment, music, uh, global advice. We cannot wait for all of our listeners to jump on board and start listening to Whiskey Hue as well. So thank you so much, Someone's Thunder. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to Someone's Thunder. We'll be dropping every other week. Don't forget to catch us.